Please listen carefully. Welcome to the Rick and Dodd Show. Two dudes, a podcast, and some laughs. Prepare to be underwhelmed. And away we go. All right, so before we, we pick up this week, um, I think the burning question is, did you end up going to Raleigh Supercon and getting any more up-close-and-personal information with Hacksaw Jim Duggan? I uh, I did not. What did, oh, God, that was so long ago. I thought about it, and then I just stayed at – I think I just stayed at home. Um, I think my roommate might have been out of town, and I was just like, I'm going <laughs> to – I've got the place to myself. Sit around with no pants on and just hang out. Pretty much. Like, I think, let me see, it was at the weekend of the 14th. I can't even, I can't even remember what I did. <laughs> yeah, that was it's, the weekend of the 14th. Almost, almost a month ago. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a hell of a long time since, since we uh, last recorded. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, no, what did I do? Oh, maybe that's, maybe I stayed home in Persona. Did we talk about Persona 5 last time? Uh, not much. We, I think you may have mentioned it uh, a couple of times here and there that it was coming out, but I don't think you've ever talked about it in depth. Okay, so I finally got around to playing that. I think that's actually matter what happened that weekend. Um, my roommate got a PS4 Pro and then uh, a PSVR and uh, got a new 4K TV too. And uh, one of the games my roommate got was uh, Persona 5. And so... Like, I had just gotten a huge chunk of, um, like, I had just gotten a couple extra games because mm-hmm. uh, GameStop had, like, a buy-to-get-one free deal going and concurrent with, like, you could get, like, 70% of trade value of a game. Um, so I basically took a whole bunch of extra stuff that I had and just dumped it, you know, to get my hundred-some-odd dollars in, in credit. I think it was, like, 150 bucks. And... Um, Ended up getting a couple games and, and playing those. And I was, was trying to pitch my roommate. I was like, Persona, like, my roommate picked up uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, Persona 5, and near uh, Automata, and, or Automata, whatever. And they're all, like, really intense, really lengthy games. And I was like, all right, well, let's just take turns. I've got these other games because I picked up, like, Resident Evil 7. And I was like, let's just take turns bar and let's just you know there's this library i'm i've got stuff you know you want to play you've got stuff i want to play let's just do this i was okay so i get about 30 hours into persona 5 and he goes well that looks like fun i want to play persona 5 now mm-hmm. i'm like this is a hundred hour game we can't take turns playing a hundred hour <laughs> game <laughs> so i had to go get a copy of persona 5 and then i think that's actually what i did that weekend is i'd be persona 5 and basically like a week i dropped 105 hours in it holy cow i didn't have anything else to do Plus so i remembered i mean <laughs> when i was playing final fantasy 7 back in in middle school i mean i put i know like 120 plus hours into that and that's when i was mastering every materia defeating the ruby and emerald yeah. weapon and, and everything and that was tons of time of me just sitting there and just grinding away and doing everything. So, I mean, just doing that over a couple of days. Yeah. That's uh that's insane. Yeah. Um, I will say this though, that persona five, um, is a very good game. Uh, and I feel bad for, cause I think persona five actually came out in like February. I, or possibly I'll let me check to see that, but I feel bad for a lot of games that have come out in this, like that. Let's see. Did Persona 5 come out? Uh, Google, I guess this is a question. 
it came out last year holy crap that can't be right no maybe that was for japan yeah let's see and usa yeah okay april it came out in april so i feel really bad for any game that was released basically because i guess april is i guess that's what started quarter two but any, I feel bad for any game that came out between Persona Five and Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, and that's almost that's like in a month. That's like in a almost in like a, a straight month because. Uh, and then you had Horizon Dawn Zero Dawn in the middle of that too. Um, that wasn't like a very good game because Persona Five is okay. So real talk, I don't know if you have any experience with Atlas titles. No, I have none at all. Atlas is a tiny little uh, developer in Japan. The games they make are always weird and kind of cumbersome in different ways where like you get you you almost get drawn in. But there's something so mechanically different with it that it ends up throwing you off or they very, very Eastern style developed games Mm -hmm. and Persona 5 is arguably the best game that Atlas has ever produced. Okay. Um, I've played Personas before, uh, not long. The reason I haven't is because they all kind of they all kind of suck, um, because they're too too intensive. And um, Persona Five pulled the back away from some of the intense stuff and focused specifically on the story. Um, and sort of like the social sim stuff that Persona games do hint at. Um, and it's the playability. Uh, the story was actually pretty good. Um, kind of cheesy, but it, you know, it is, you know, it, it is an Eastern developed game. And sometimes they go over the top with the cheesiness in, in the media. Mm-hmm. But um, it's a fantastic game. Story was great. Gameplay actually made sense. Stylistically, this game is gorgeous. Um, this is the first time I've actually sat down and played a game on my PS4 and said, wow, this game looks really pretty. And, uh, you know, because most of the times I'm used to vibrant colors. Let me see. I'm going to send you some of the just promo artwork if I can find it real quick. Um, like stylistically, totally. The game is actually really dark. Um, it deals with a lot of heavy stuff. Um, it's just a Google image, but mm-hmm. it's a lot of it's like the most of the first stuff that comes up is like the official artwork and like just stylistically, it's very sharp, very good looking game. Um, they changed up their thing where there's like a bit of social social sim to it, where you have to manage character conversations and actually your stats, um, which doesn't sound like fun, but um, it did. It's integrated well enough and feels unique enough uh, where in this game where it's actually fun to do. It's fun to watch your character grow and watch your character's charm or intelligence grow mm-hmm. versus some of those other experiences that I've seen with like Fable 2 or whatever, where you had to like chop wood for bullshit money or whatever. Yep, exactly. That was I, the, one of the, uh, I was really big into Fable when it came out and wanted to play. And then once I kind of saw how some of the systems were, it was like, ah, oh, this is bullshit. I'm not doing this. Um, very similar to even, longer than that ago um 
<clears throat> there was a, a system that was, or a game that was coming out that was supposed to be really well done that had a lot of the social and dogmatic systems in it called Black and White. Um, and then that was one that kind of fell flat on its face as well, where it never ended up doing anything because the systems were, they were well implemented, but they were so pedantic and so deeply integrated that you had to do that mm -hmm. stuff all the time or else it fell apart. So all you were doing was uh, basically a lot of the grinding that MMOs kind of introduced as um, additional mm -hmm. secondary systems, but they were like the primary systems of the game. So it was just... Uh, not something you wanted to do if you wanted to play casually and just come back to it every so often. That is actually one of my biggest, uh, one of my biggest uh, reasons I like to champion Persona Five um, is the. So I played through on easy um, because I knew the game was going to be long and I wasn't going to spend, you know, sixty hours of having fun and then forty hours of frustration once I didn't really, you know. Um, the need for grinding, um, like you can you can do it if you choose to or not. Mm -hmm. You can actually play through the game, especially on easy, uh, without grinding at all, and it's fine. Um, which actually, my the, the, my roommate and I had had totally different experiences playing uh, Persona because my roommate decided I need to grind, and I don't know, you don't need to just play the damn game. Mm -hmm. Like, you can stumble your way through it. It's fine. I think I died, like, maybe three times. Like, the thing with the, the RNG in this will kill you. Um, just randomly. Mm -hmm. It'll randomly, you know, crit, 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 crit. <laughs> and you're like, every time every time someone scores a quit, uh, critical hit, you get an additional turn. Okay. So it like the combat and the combat's actually really fun. It really uh, feels really innovative and feels very slimlined, uh, but still feels in depth. Um, it uh, characters have weaknesses, and uh, different personas are personas are basically like demon Pokemon, uh, based off of different kinds of mythology. Mm -hmm. And they all have different weaknesses. So, um, so basically, you exploit their weaknesses, and you're, yeah. you're you know what you're doing, or you're you're mm. going to have much more success than just trying to sit there and hack and slash or yeah. whatever it be button mesh. Yeah, and your and the characters on your team also have uh, they use personas as well, and whenever they use that uh, persona, they take on that persona's weaknesses as, as well. So, uh, you know, if you go up against the wrong persona or the wrong thing equipped and not ready. You know, they can <laughs> the game can steamroll you. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, but yeah, it was really fun. Um, worth it. I'm glad. You know, I'm happy um, that I was at least able to play it. It's one of those games where people, it, you know, if you're not able to dedicate the time to it, you're going to be playing it for a year and a half. And just because it's there's so much that goes on to it, much like Breath of the Wild. Um, the difference with Breath of the Wild being that. Um, you can end the game at any point that you choose. <laughs> uh, Persona, not so much. Um. So similar to that, um, we were uh, killing some time, and we were able to, to pick up a Switch. Uh, it's kind of calling back to our um, our, our big Switch uh, kind of review kickoff uh, show that we had mm -hmm. a, a couple months ago. Um and so when we were, or when I was at uh, San Diego Comic Con last month, um, uh, we had a group staying in the Airbnb, 
there were four of us in the Airbnb. The other three people in the Airbnb brought their switches so that they could play in, in line waiting. Um, and I was uh, uh, on the lookout for, for a cheap one before then, um, but I wasn't going to, to overpay on uh, on Amazon to get one at uh, al- almost double the price. Um, yeah. So I just kind of been been keeping an eye out. I ended up playing uh, most of my buddy switch the entire time. So just having, uh, you know, console quality uh, Mario Kart while you're killing time, just uh, waiting for panels to start, is awesome. Um, it's it's something powerful. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it it just as just a brighter screen, more control, um, and it ends up being you know, I mean, for me, uh, a much better experience than any of the the Game Boy handhelds or anything. Um, and and. Yeah. Uh, so it was definitely well worth it. Uh, so we were able to pick one up here, got Mario Kart, uh, and I've been playing it a handful since then. But now, like, since we have it, um, I'm walking around being like, I should have brought the Switch. I should have brought the Switch. I could have used it here. Mm-hmm. We could have had it here. You could be killing time with this. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that en- ends up being something where uh, we only have Mario Kart now. We'll probably end up picking Puyo Puyo Tetris up, like you mentioned. Um that's definitely something that'll be be coming along with us when we uh, head to North Carolina um, for uh, for the wedding at the end of the month um, to both hook up to the TV, play in the room, and then also just have uh, have uh, with us to to play around while we're we're kicking around, killing time, mm-hmm. uh, doing stuff. So that's uh, definitely something I'm looking forward to, to playing a little bit more of. Um, kind of going back to me still having uh, Final Fantasy 15 on the Xbox One to to pl- put into. I put a decent amount of time into that, but then just haven't gotten back to it. Um, so that'll be coming up on, it's been out for almost a year and not having done much with it. Um, and then I, I picked up injustice two for my birthday. Um, and I played that a little bit and it, it's fun, but that's more something that I uh, end up wanting to play, uh, with people as opposed to just story mode. Um, and I, I hate just playing online, uh, uh, unsolicited. Um, so, uh, so I mean, I'll probably end up sinking more time into, into switch titles. Um, I saw that there was a, I haven't really looked at reviews. I just kind of looked at the online catalog for, for what was out there. Um, and you mm-hmm. recommended some of the, was it the Neo Geo titles or SNK titles, um, yes. for, yes. Uh, that are out there. And so, uh, the Samurai Showdown one was one that, uh, had always, uh, uh, piqued my interest. Cause when growing up, uh, I'd go with my dad on the weekends and we'd go get pizza. Um, and, uh, our favorite pizza place. They had a, a, a Neo Geo stand-up cabinet uh, there, um, and I would always end up playing uh, Samurai Showdown while we were waiting for a pizza. Uh, so that that's got a lot of nostalgia there. Um, but then some of the uh, um, the the Street Fighter game looked interesting since I don't have 37 aforementioned uh, versions of it like like you did. Um, so that, that might be something that could uh, be beneficial for me as long as I can throw a fireball with Ryu. I'm fine. Uh, the last time I bought a, a Street Fighter game, I tried to throw a goddamn fireball, and all I was was getting my ass kicked seven ways to Sunday. Um, so depending on, on how that goes, I, I may end up getting that one. Um, but then uh, based on um, at Comic-Con, they had a bunch of um, switches set up, and they had folks playing uh, Mario Odyssey, um, and that looked amazing. So mm-hmm. I, I'm definitely uh, uh, interesting interested for that one. Um, so we'll probably end up playing that one and, and playing that together and everything. So uh I, it, I was very excited when I was walking back and it was like creeping around the corner to see if they had anything in the Nintendo bucket. And I saw boxes. I was like, Oh, what's that? And then I walked over and there was an actual switch there. So then like, you know, you're, uh, uh, I had to track down the, the guy to, to go find him to, um, 
to, to get one out and make sure nobody else wanted to come over and get it or whatever, but they had a couple, <laughs> yeah, they, they had a couple. So it wasn't, it wasn't like, uh, it was doing like the old Indiana Jones, uh, bait and switch from the, the temple of doom. But, um, uh, it was, it felt like it after having, uh, kind of asking around for, uh, every like target and Walmart, uh, like on the down low. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, you know, I, I, the breath of the wild experience is something else on that system. Um, my thing is I'm really waiting for, um, I'm just waiting for one of these big, you know, I'm kind of waiting for another big title. Like I've played arms, um, every pretty much like big Nintendo title that's come out since, uh, uh, since the release I've picked up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I ended up buying Mario Kart. I like, I had Mario Kart eight, but I bought it again. Um, you know, I bought Arms. I bought Splatoon two, which I could go on a diatribe about that freaking online, uh, the online stuff for that. Um, <laughs> oh my god! Okay, so I so that's another one that uh, was one I was interested in because I, I played Splatoon. Um, where was what was the first one on? Was that on Wii U? Um, yeah. Okay, so I had played when I was still in North Carolina. Some of my my other friends had Splatoon, and I played that. I, I liked the game. Like it was a very similar aspect to. Um, you know, it, it was a fresh take on kind of uh, FPSs where you're still in that that mode, but it's not uh, it, it's not like uh, you're getting the uh, you know no scope sniped and all that bullshit. Um, but it, it still had kind of the um, the same fun as an FPS, but it, it was more uh, communal aspect. So I had interest in Splatoon two to check it out and see what it was, but I, I hadn't uh, uh, dug into any of the online play or, or new modes or anything like that yet. Okay, so um, I well, since I just got that and I spent a little bit of time with it, um, I can give you a quick like two minute review on it. Um, Splatoon two uh, improves on the first one in a lot of ways. Um, the main differences here is how Nintendo is basically handing their online partying system. Um, you can communicate with people, which is great, um, which is like a new thing for Nintendo. Uh, however, um, it's all run through your cell phone. It's done through a cell phone app. Uh, and the cell phone app is trash. And um, the uh, I got it. I got my copy of Splatoon 2 uh, just in time for, I think, last last week, maybe the weekend, last weekend, two weekends ago. It's all blurred together. They had a Splatfest. And basically, you pick one side or the other, and you get special rewards for playing through the weekend or playing through a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Saturday because I always cut them short. Um, uh, so I got to spend a lot of time on crowded servers uh, for the online to see what it looks like. Uh, there are some lag issues, uh, unfortunately, which aren't necessarily noticeable, but for eighty-five percent of the time, and then they're immediately then for that other fifteen percent of the time, you're just sitting there going, "How did I die?" Mm-hmm. Or, or stuff like that, which is not doesn't feel really good. Or how is that person walking across all of that paint that, you know, um, you know, how, how are they walking through my paint? You know, um, you know, when you're when they're completely surrounded, they should be kind of stuck and not able to do anything, you know, and all of a sudden they end up behind you and you're dead. So um, there are some issues with that. Um, the online for the Splatfest uh, was kind of just a hot mess. Um I had really long wait times for games. Uh, and part of the reason is because it looks like instead of having everyone lumped together, 
on one sort of like pulling players from the entire world. Um, everything was done in sections. So uh, usually from time to time, you can get a couple uh, uh, Japanese folks or, or, you know, Asian users or users from the UK or whatever on your team. And it's always kind of fun to do that because it reminds you that you're playing online. Um, however, uh, this time uh, it was a no-go uh, because, like, they wrapped this, they wrapped the Splatfests up, you know, relatively um, relatively quickly, and they were done in different sections. Um, so, uh, one of the downs, one of the bummers was that, like, you pick a side, uh, but if one side happens to be more popular than the other, you're very rarely going to be able to fight the other side. So, I spent a lot of time losing games that I should have been winning, um, because uh, the... Uh, a lot of the teammates weren't since it was like one side was overwhelmingly popular, mm-hmm. almost picked a, a little over three to one to the other option. Uh, a lot of my teammates and stuff weren't really that good. So whenever I did get a chance to play the other side, you know, my teammates were all, all really bad and, you know, we would lose. Um, and it was just kind of, uh, you know, just kind of a bummer that way. Um, combined with other times where I ended up waiting 30 or 40 seconds for a game. Um, sometimes I ended up, they have a countdown. There is one time countdown, it starts at like 29, got down to 40 and then reset. And that happened a couple times. Um, and it just made me really, yeah, I was very confused because at this point, you know, I'm thinking of like what Nintendo is actually handling here. I, you know, my phone's handling the voice chatting. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's basically running an app. Um, oh, and the other big thing is that um, Nintendo really thinks that if you're going to own their systems to do multiplayer stuff, you have to have a lot of friends. Um, for instance, I could not team up with just one friend to go online and play. Like you, you either you have a lot of friends you want to play with or you need to have a lot of friends to be able to play. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. The like, latter. Yeah. Like... Uh, so my roommate has a Switch. I, I go, dude, I'm like, let's just play together. Um, we pick the same team for the Splatfest. I was like, dude, let's play together, jump online, and do this. Because in every other every other multiplayer game I've played, you have your two, you party up with a couple people or whatever. If it's not enough for a full team, you get filled in with randos. Um, and that did not do that. Uh <laughs> They don't do that. You have to have a full party of four. So thinking about how difficult that system has been able to get to get here, uh, considering I have not seen one in a store uh, since March. Mm-hmm. I have not seen I've seen maybe two or three opportunities to buy them scalper prices. Um, I have not seen one in the GameStop. Matter of fact, I had an alert on for my thing on GameStop to be able to figure out when I could buy, you know, not another one, but originally when they were supposed to let me know when I could get a Switch, mm-hmm. uh, they just canceled that. So, like, <laughs> um, so it's like, well, we're not going to let you know if we get this product in or not because we're probably not going to get it in. Um, so the fact that I barely know, now that you have one, I know for people that have a Switch, including myself, um let alone we all have to pick the same team for a Splatfest, which probably wouldn't happen. 
uh, because, you know, putzing around or whatever. Like somebody's putzing around and just picks the wrong thing. Yep. Like that's just way too much coordination. Exactly. To, to be able to say, hey, you know, let's let's play a game or let's do this or, or that. And it's just it's just too much work. Um, and it sucks because I wanted to try out the app to see how bad it was. Um, I like had heard stories about it, but sometimes, like, look, I give a lot of folks the benefit of the doubt, especially game developers, unless you're Ubisoft, um, and uh, Ubisoft or EA, because I've had enough not good experiences, especially with EA games. Um, hashtag Mass Effect Three. Hashtag uh, NBA 2K16. Um, yeah, that's the one where they deleted my save file. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, you didn't sign up for an EA account, so we're just going to delete your data. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, we're done. <laughs> um, and I never played another, I never played another basketball game again. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, I wanted to try it out to see it, but like, you know, I just wanted to be able to use it and I wasn't even able to do that. Like, I hate paint. My one of my one of my biggest pet peeves um, is that I hate having a service or paying for a service and being denied what I'm paying for. Yep. Like it's 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 you know it's weird or whatever. Like I mean, there have been times where I almost flipped shit. I remember walking at one time into a store, uh, used game store that did uh, Magic Two and. And, and all that, and I walked in. I go, oh man, I've been looking for these Guitar Hero controllers, which is something I would never say now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, because if I wanted those, I could have as many as I want. I could do the Game of Thrones on a Guitar Hero controllers with how many I come across with Rock Band accessories too, and that plastic Wii crap. Um, and they just would refuse refusing to sell me a Guitar Hero controller. I'm like, all right. Like, why do you have it in your store? Well, we can't sell it because we rep people video games too. And I'm like, but why can't you just get another one? I'm a customer here. Like, yeah. and I remember just being like, why can't I just get that? Like, we were dealing with the internet problems uh, a few weeks ago too. And I uh, saw my roommate. I'm like, you got to call somebody and be like, look, I'm not paying for this. You're going to prorate me for something. Because mm-hmm. we didn't have internet. We didn't have internet for a full day. Been spotty pretty much ever. You know, it's been it was pretty spotty for the week after. Um, you know, I just hate, and it's just a big pet peeve. And with Nintendo's online, especially that they're going to be charging for the service next year. Uh, I'm not paying you for Discord and matchmaking. That's not great. Yeah, exactly. That's what I. The one thing and, I saw was that. The it's a, the Switch Online or Switch Connect or whatever the name of the service is that they're doing that for free now and then next year they'll charge, which is good and fine to kind of launch the system. But again, like once you start charging for it, that better be bulletproof, especially if you're going yeah. with the kind of the freemium free rollout model and then uh, the or as other people call it the the drug deal method, uh, where you you, <laughs> you know the the first taste is always free you get them hooked and then you uh uh yeah. you, you start charging them for it so um i mean if if that's going to be the case and something's you know that that shit's got to work I, again like you said yeah. I, I don't mind paying for stuff but when i'm paying for an online service it, it better work correctly yeah yeah it's just you know i mean and, and and this is one of the things is that nintendo 
always frustrates me because I'm not look, I didn't grow up with Nintendo. I grew up with a Sega, you know, you talk about like realistically, like if I am playing something, I don't play games often. I have a lot. I don't play them. I just look at them because mm-hmm. <laughs> it, t- it takes too much energy to get half of them to work. Um, so, you know, I'm not an, I'm not a diehard Nintendo fanboy, but it just leaves me so frustrated where there are experiences like I have so much fun playing Splatoon um, when matchmaking's working. There's not a lot of lag. I'm not waiting a long time. I mean, there were times where I would just sit there. I have never I have literally never played a game online where I've had enough time to pick up my phone and like browse through a couple of online forums or this or that. Like, you know, I like was I'm like looking for recipes for other stuff. Mm-hmm. Like while I'm doing this because I had I had more than enough time to accomplish this task. Like, you know, and it's like what's the point of the system being portable if it doesn't take it anywhere? Yeah, like, by, I by the time you start matchmaking, you got on the bus, <laughs> you're you're 3 quarters of the way home and you're getting ready to get <laughs> off to get up to you know to get back home. So like I mean, what's the what's yeah. the point of being able to to move around if all you're doing is uh, spending all your waiting. time waiting for a match. Yeah. Now, and, and I will say that, like, I do have a lot of fun with their games. Um, like, Breath of the Wild is amazing. Um, <laughs> the uh, Comparing that to playing Persona 5, um, I actually think because of the way that Persona 5... So I'm just going to say that I think Japan's on, on fire this year for game development. Um, whereas, like, you know, they were... Uh, they're ready to be top dog again because they're um, taking a lot more risks with what they're doing. Um, the immersion of Breath of the Wild and Persona were totally different. I liked Persona 5's immersion a little bit better, but Breath of the Wild was still good. But, you know, like the system, the system is good. There's good stuff on it. Sometimes it's just so frustrating. Like, like I feel like it's one of these things, even though I knew what I was getting into, like, I sort of feel like there's like some incomplete stuff that's not completely fleshed out. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason that I basically jumped on the bandwagon so early for it was because Nintendo did something similar when they launched the original 3ds where they kind of just bungled it a little bit. And you, there were like back rewards that ended up being like worth it. Um, so if something along the similar lines happens to that, that happens with that, I'll feel okay. But you know, the fact that I can't watch Netflix on my switch is like driving me nuts. Yeah, that is pretty, pretty insane. And then the, I forget who else, or it may have been when we were at Comic-Con, somebody asking if you could watch a video on it or something like that. Um, and I think they were saying like the only thing you could do right now is like look at pictures that are on the NSD card that's on there, but you can't like watch <laughs> video that's on the SD card. Um, which seems kind of <laughs> not counterproductive, but seems kind of uh, like a very big over like oversight, um, especially where coming from a product development, uh, product management user experience background, um, that would seem like a, a table stakes item to, to just say like, yeah, you may not need all of the streaming services or your own streaming service connected to it. But if somebody pops in a SD card that has some movies on it, they should be able to watch them. Mm -hmm. Um, Since again, you're playing up the portability factor. You don't want them to leave your device and go to their phone or tablet to go watch movies or do X, Y, and Z. You want to keep them on there and 
you know, milk the user for everything and have it be a, a pleasant integrated experience. Um, oh, so that's just, yeah. that's something that's just a, a weird, uh, kind of oversight or gap, uh, for me, but you know, they could end up having roll, uh, updates roll out that'll, uh, very easily fix that. So we'll, we'll see. I'm hoping I, um, I, uh, I don't know if we talked about it, uh, but I signed up for the Funimation anime streaming service. Um, it's out of boredom, basically. I, you know, I haven't watched anime in years, and I was like, well, this would kind of be fun, and, um, you know, I could, I wanted, I think I wanted to watch, like, Space Dandy or something stupid. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to laugh, and um, nothing gets me like Japanese weirdness. So, um, so I signed up for it, and you want to talk about just atrocious user app interface? Like, dude... Oh my gosh! They bungled and botched uh, the release. They uh, they forced so um, the Funimation app. I've got it on the PS4 upstairs, the the Pro downstairs, and it's on my room on my roommate's Xbox One because that's where I originally put it. Uh, and just awful, 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 awful to use. Um, they forced an update. It was, like, it was almost unusable on Xbox One. And they forced an update on PS4, uh, except that when they forced the update, they basically made it so you couldn't connect to their servers for like a day and a half. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> I was in the middle of... So I've just been binging anime. I think I've... This is really embarrassing, but um, I think I've knocked out like 53 series. Holy shit. Yeah, that's... Like, uh... I mean, well, and also I'm sure that there's varying levels of uh, of number of seasons or uh, yeah. if they end up calling it something different, whereas like in the UK, they call things series instead of seasons. Um, yeah. So whatever, but I, I'm sure there's varying levels there. But yeah, that's still, that's a, a yeah. shit ton of, uh, of uh, anime to be watching. Yeah. And it's just really, that's like, I mean, the fact that there's like nothing, like I feel like I've completed Netflix um, there's like 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 one or two things come out on Netflix, and that's pretty much what I'll check out. But um, you know, since I've had all this free time, I don't you know, I like I'll just put it on in background noise, and that's good enough because you don't have to pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, speaking of that, um, I uh, watched I watched the first season of the Dana Carvey show, which is the only season. Uh, uh, how old was that? Uh, 1996. Okay. Was it, uh, sketch comedy or was it a sitcom? Uh, sketch comedy. Okay. Uh, the reason I watched it is because, uh, the, I believe the head writer was Louis CK. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, you've, you've got Dana. So you've got Steve Carell as part of the cast, Colbert, um, Dino. Oh, jeez. If you're familiar with like moral oral, he's the guy who wrote and created that. I can't. I can never pronounce his name, but it's like Dino Stanislavski. Oh yeah, uh, he was a, another guy, another writer on uh, um, writer and actor on uh, Community. Yeah, yeah, he uh, Starburns. Okay, yeah, um, he uh, he's on that. He was, I think, he was. He's he does like a like a. He was involved with the Dana Carvey show too. Mm-hmm. Um, that show is awful. Okay. 
Uh, it lasted about eight episodes, and I can see why. That show was trash. The Dana Carvey show? Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, I realized that I don't find Dana Carvey funny. Like, I watch it's, his stand-up. <laughs> it, it, it's very interesting that, that you bring that up because um, when we go to sleep at night, we'll usually – we. That we have a TV in the bedroom, and I've got a fire TV inside there, um, and so we use that to stream everything. And usually, we fall asleep watching stuff. Um, and <laughs> the vast majority of the time, we fall asleep to stand-up comedy. Um, and we've pretty much exhausted all of the English-speaking stand-up comedy in uh, in Netflix. Um, a lot of that on like the Comedy Central app. Uh, a lot of the HBO specials, et cetera, et cetera. So mm-hmm. we were scrolling last night and we ended up just randomly getting to Dana Carvey's recent special, like, <laughs> what is it? Uh, straight white male 60. Um, and, and so I was like, yeah, I, I haven't seen it. Cause it, it was one I had like been, I guess, kind of actively avoiding. Cause when I, when I hear him on interviews and other things, like he's, he's not bad, but then, he kind of goes the other way for me than Robin Williams did. Like Robin Williams in an interview could go into a shtick and be perfectly fine and it'd be hilarious and it'd be like an upgrade. But like when, to me, when Dana Carvey does it, it just kind of, it seems like he's working too hard. Um, And so Mm -hmm. again, last night we put it on and I started watching it and some of it was okay. And then some of it was just like, like I'm not laughing. Like th- this is just awkward, and it just seems like the the crowd is laughing because they knew it was getting taped for a special type thing. Um, so uh-huh. it, it's just interesting the uh, kind of the uh, the serendipitous serendipitiness of that, as we make up a word. Um, where I mean, that's what you end up watching there, and then we're uh, we're watching that on uh, on Netflix. Yeah, I watched that stand up special a while ago, and my favorite part is where he berates his children to coming for like coming for him for help. And it's like, that's kind of your role. Like, you know, there's a reason they don't know that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, and that's what there, there were a couple of things where I was like, okay, like that's not really like, that's not really a punchline. Like that, there's nothing like interesting about that or nothing like funny yeah. about that. And so the fact that for somebody of quote unquote his stature and, and kind of being there for that long, like that was what he wanted to, uh, like that that was what he was crafting his hour on was was interesting. Yeah, like, and, and what I realized from the um, Dana Carvey show uh, and his stand-up is that, um, so I had watched his stand-up previously before, and I was not impressed. I wasn't, you know, I but I understood, like, I listened to his the WTF pod he did with Mark Maron, and I was like, oh, like, I'll, I'll check this dude out. Like, he sounds, like, he sounded like an interesting enough person, but... It seems like, and I'm just going to probably get sued by Dana Carvey, if for some reason he's the only person that ever hears or listens to our podcast, mm-hmm. he's probably going to stop after this. But, like, he just seems like a lot of his stuff is kind of just, like, based off of being me. And not in, like, a, not in like a clever Don Rickles kind of way. Mm-hmm. Like, going through some of the, like, watching some of the stuff on the Dana Carvey show, um... And especially in a stand-up where he just seems like his jokes are sort of like kind of mean-spirited in a way. Um, like they did a bit on the Dana Carvey store, uh, David, Dana Carvey show where um, they talked about uh, like they had Prince Charles uh, because for the like month that it aired. Um, and I get he's more successful than me. I'm not hating on him because he's successful or whatever. Um, you know, it's just... Uh, some of the stuff I didn't. 
Well, I no, it's and I I, I kind of see the same thing. And there was something where I forget it was another recent. Uh, you made a weird pod that I listened to. It may have been um, the one with uh, I think it was the one with Roy Wood Jr. Um, which which was amazing. It's one of my favorite ones that he's done in a while. Uh, I've got a couple backlog that I still need to catch up on. And um, when I was in San Diego, I saw. Um, one of the, the bigger things for me of going to San Diego was uh, Sal Volcano from Impractical Jokers was doing a stand-up show. Um, and when I originally booked the tickets, it was supposed to be Sal Volcano, Roy Wood Jr., and Theo Vaughn. Um, and Ooh. so I was really interested to see Roy Wood uh, in a small setting um, with you know really close seats. For whatever reason, the, like the lineup got changed. He never really said he had to do something else, and then they never really sent out anything else. Um, Adam Ray ended up filling in for that, so I listened to about last night podcast. So I was happy about that, and it was kind of a good one. Um, but I was I was still bummed to not see Roy Wood. But um, they were talking about just kind of a lot of the art of jokes and the art of um, how to build. Um, uh, how to uh, essentially build a punchline and build a lot of the comedy together. And there's a lot that, that they were saying that essentially goes into if everybody goes this, or if everybody kind of arrives to the same punchline, there's nothing that's unique about your joke. Like you're, you're not really <clears throat> showing your uniqueness. You're not really pushing um, kind of the boundary for, for what you're trying to kind of grow into. It's just like, if everybody does the work, yeah, eventually two plus two is always going to be four. Um, and so that's where it seems like there's a lot there where like, yeah, the, um, the kind of the, the uniqueness just really isn't there for all of, for at least as special as I saw it last night that like all of the impersonations that he was doing just weren't very interesting. Mm -hmm. They, they were, uh, either just mean outright, um, or they were just kind of, uh, uh, I mean, uninteresting in nature and, and just really, uh, not unique. It was basically what everybody would end up, uh, making fun of him for, be it, uh, whether it was a, uh, impression of trump uh you know going back to some of the george bush stuff or anything like that where Mm -hmm. when you're doing the impersonation you can still be original and you can still be saying stuff that's that's original and funny and unique and everything but if Mm -hmm. all you're doing is you know doing the impersonation to be funny and try to be mean to the person you're you're impersonating then it really doesn't you know it really it's not showing any skill or being being unique and that's why i took most of a special last night where it was just like it, this could be anybody because you just go on Twitter and it's basically everybody saying the same exact thing. Yeah, like there were um, they railed on Princess Die really hard um, in in the Dana Carvey show mm-hmm. where uh, he did his Prince Charles impression and basically talked about how he wished he could just like decapitate her. <laughs> like, and my my yeah, like I've seen here and I'm like that's like that's weird. Look, Basically, the, the whole setup was basically supposed to be like, well, my ancestors could like my ancestor could do it. Why can't I? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and mind you, this show aired on ABC in primetime. And I'm just like, well, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting there, I'm thinking like the contemporary stuff with this show, too. Now, mind you, it's not because it's like something from the 90s or whatever. Like I recently watched like the first season of the Drew Carey show and laughed my ass off. Mm-hmm. Um that's one that you I, know, I have a lot of and, nostalgia for, and that, that definitely broke ground and had a lot of uniqueness in its day. Yeah, so, like, I just, like, I mean, there was stuff like that. There was, um, 
like he did a top ten list as the church lady, um, who, who and it was basically about Princess Die, and it was relatively derogatory, um, and like I didn't see how that was funny at all. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, okay, like you know, if you're gonna call if you're gonna call a woman, you know, some kind of name or whatever. If an eight-year-old or a twelve-year-old can do the same thing, and if it's funny to them, like you should probably step your game up if you're supposed to be a professional. Yep. Like, that you know, is. yeah, and then you just come up with non-clever ways to say it ten different times, and like uh, a mocking shirt, like just not he. he uh, yeah. So the show uh, was not great. Um, there were and i felt really bad for folks that like i i should never watch a sketch comedy show and feel bad for the people involved in the cast um especially one that's 20 years old 21 years old now um like i felt so bad for stephen colbert and uh steve carell because i felt like they were just wasted yeah like you never watch like you never watch an individual sketch comedy show I have, this is an experience I've never I've never had personally. I've watched a lot of sketch comedy over the years, um, whenever I can, whenever I could consume it. Um, you know, I should never watch your show and be like, "You're in your own show too much." <laughs> That's messed up. Like he was in everything. Like he, he had like a mean Bob Dole, and like there was like a, there was in the show there was a mean Bob Dole. His Clinton impersonation, which he did a lot, sucked. the The best impersonation throughout the whole show was done by Phil Hartman as Larry King. Okay. Um, you know, R.I.P. Phil Hartman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but like when you don't even do the best impression on your own show, what does that even say? Yeah, and that ends up being where I mean, you probably look at it. He was probably an uh, EP on it. He was probably quote unquote one of the head writers, um, and so it just ends up being something where uh, you're just kind of there for you know lip service of yourself as opposed to anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, yeah. So. I've come to realize that I just don't think Dana Carvey is funny. Um, and I don't even remember. Was he, was he on SNL in like the early nineties? I, I mean, I want to say probably. Yeah. Cause I think he was, he was still on there around the time of the, the 25th, uh, um, uh, the 25th anniversary. And that was, or no 20th anniversary. Okay. And that was when like, I was old enough to be cognizant and starting to watch it and things like that. Um, so uh, I think he was on right around then, and then he uh, he kind of stopped right after right after some of that. Okay, because like he took some of the characters he did from. Okay, real talk. Like I don't think sketch comedy characters. Like okay, I'll just clarify. I know nothing about comedy. I'm just a pudgy dude sitting in a chair right now, talking about stuff he knows nothing about. Uh, but he took some of the he took some of the characters that he did in S during his stint in SNL. Uh, and brought him over like the church lady and some other stuff or stuff that was relatively close. Mm-hmm. Sketch comedy characters aren't like, like, yeah, they can be um, brought back for stuff, but they're, and they can be iconic, but like nine times out of 10, they're not. Well, they also, they, they kind of exist in context of where they were yeah. born. So to try to, to try to bring them off of, SNL and into a completely different show. And you said this was on mm-hmm. what ABC? Yeah. 
So to, to bring them off of SNL onto a completely different network, which is interesting just in and of itself. Um, but then, you know, from late night, Saturday night into primetime, like it just, it, there's again, going back to the, the unoriginality aspect of it, where there's like, there's so much more you could be doing or, okay, yeah, you, you hit the ball that time. Now, you know, they're changing up the pitch. So let's try to swing mm. a little bit differently <laughs> as opposed to just going back and being like, oh, well, I, I mean, I can just keep swinging the same thing and expect to hit home runs. And it's like, no, like that's not going to happen. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, the, I mean, I, I probably haven't seen as much sketch comedy. Um, I, I'm a, probably a larger fan of stand up in general. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, they're still, mm-hmm. again, kind of reusing bits or going back to the well one too many times or doing things to, mm-hmm. to kind of stay in, um, to kind of stay in context for the audience and just where it was born. There's, there's a lot of affinity for the character for kind of where they came from as opposed to, um, happening anywhere else. So, um, I, I, I agree where it, again, going back to the well, uh, too much is, is it shows like a, a cheapness and like a, uh, a lack of originality and like a lack of appreciation for the audience. Yeah. And like, you know, I would say there, like, you know, I'm sure there are things that I like that people, other people don't like, but I was just really disappointed um, because, you know, I had a, you know, it was kind of a quick exposure um, to Dana Carvey, you know, you got a TV show and this is the first thing that you want to do. Um, oh, and also there's, you've got Steve Carell and Brown face. Uh, you've got, Steve Carell in brownface, uh, somebody in somebody in yellowface, like it's all great. Uh, really, like you know, um, racist stereotype, stereotypical accents. Um, not a lot of folks of color. You know, I understand it's '96, but you know, um, not a lot of not a lot of great stuff. Um, you know. It's like if you find who's who. Oh gosh, who was that in Sixteen Candles? Is that Mickey Rooney? Uh, as far as you went, uh, uh, there's like a really great uh, racist Asian character. Uh, I'm not sure about that one. Oh, let me see. Yeah, yeah, it's Mickey Rooney in Sixteen Candles. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of that. Um, that's something that would be exclusive, excusable in the eighties. Not even really. Ex- uh, yeah, Mickey Rooney is Mister Un- uh, Unioshi. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. So um, yeah, I was drawing blank there. So Mickey <laughs> Rooney is playing an Asian man. Yeah, yeah, in Sixteen okay. Candles. So uh, there's there's a lot of that level stuff in in the Dana Carvey show, um, and just not. For people, for like folks of like, who are held in like such high regard now, uh, really disappointed overall in the in in that. But um, note to folks, Dana Carvey is just not funny. You heard it here first. That's a hot take. On the <laughs> so kind of pivoting into something else that's kind of disappointing. Um, we've been for whatever reason, uh, kind of on the similar to the, the tail end of, of one of our earlier episodes of going deep into what we're doing about wrestling um, and, and our interest in how we got into it. Um, <clears throat> we've actually been watching a lot of wrestling lately. Um, and so we were, uh, we were watching raw this week. Um, and then 
we just had some other stuff going on. And since we didn't record Tuesday, since you were uh, at a movie, um, which we can we can close on, um, uh, we were we ended up watching SmackDown Live and everything. Um, and between Raw and between SmackDown, there was a lot of people that you know were there when I was watching it about ten years ago. Um, a lot of the commentators that were there, you know, or either former wrestlers and, and a lot of that stuff. But the one thing that, that kind of kept, I kept noticing is there was both commentators speaking, whether it was Booker T talking about himself, um, or, uh, again, John Cena, Randy Orton, XYZ, whoever, um, there ends up being a lot of people who are, uh, 13 time, 19 time, eight time, 10 time WWE champion. And to me, like growing up, the only person that ever did that was like, that was the ultimate reason for Ric Flair to be the nature boy. And like, that was the reason yeah. for him like to, to be the best. You have to beat the best. And so it was like, he was the, he was the one that had the, the ultimate uh, number of uh, titles or, or title reigns and everything. And so now when you have these dozens of, of guys who have, um, you know, double digit title reigns across the board, does that cheapen it for you? Does that mean like, yeah. does that like seem like it, it doesn't mean as much? Because again, like I know coming back into it, there's a lot more titles now that I have no idea what they are. Um, and so to know like what the, what's a world title, what's a, the, a universal title, et cetera, X, Y, Z. I, I know there's a lot more there, but just to have all of them be when they roll up, everybody's a double digit champion. It just seems like, Okay, so if you just wait around long enough and you don't piss off McMahon or, or uh, Triple H, you'll you'll be there. Um, it just seems like yeah. it doesn't really mean much. Yeah. So they have. So one of the big issues that they've had and they've tried to fix by um, is Brock Lesnar still champion? Uh, uh, I don't believe so. Did he? Lo- okay. So it's it's oh. him and. Uh, I want to say Miz for something. So I, I don't believe that's a title match at all. Let's see, Brock Lesnar. Let's see, current. So, um, so, let's see. So Brock Lesnar is still the universal champion. Okay. Uh, and he, I think he has a title defense at SummerSlam. So one of the things they did um, is they've done this thing called the brand split. And uh, they've done it before. And what happens is they basically create two titles, uh, two high-tier main card titles. And um, what's happened is that they have played hot potato with those titles back and forth between people. Um, you have folks who have title reigns. It's something you saw in the Attitude Era a lot, um, but it was only one title, and it was uh, different. It was different because you're passing that title back and forth between people like The Rock, Mick Foley, Triple H, Stone Cold. Um, because in the Attitude Era, wrestling was at its height, and anybody could get hot um, because the crowd was into it. They wanted to be into it. Uh, the difference is now is that everything's so formulaic and it just gets passed back and forth, back and forth between people. Um, you know, you have folks like Dolph Ziggler, who's like a four-time, a four-time heavyweight champion uh, who can't even really get on the card. Like, you know, and can't get out of the mid-card. 
Um, and, you know, and those happen really relatively quickly back and forth. Um, and it's just, it's just all over the place. Um, and it does, it does devalue the idea of, you know, to beat the best, you gotta, to, to be the best, you gotta beat mm-hmm. the best. Um, it, it devalues it all over the place. Um, because it puts no importance to the title. If you have two guys that are number one, okay, that makes sense. But okay, that guy's good right now, but the rest of your locker room is good. Instead of making it because all the other guys in the locker room have been the have been the best. You know? Yep. If they're all if they're all good, then nobody's good. Why if the if they're all good, why do they care about the United States championship? Which is a title I love, by the way. I love the Intercontinental Championship too. But yeah, um, that, that I mean, that I grew up with, with like the IC belt being one that was a lot more uh, of a of a um, how would I put it a, a more revered title. I mean, that was one that uh, Bret Hart was for a while, Shawn Michaels was <clears> for a while, and it had it had a lot more gravitas for that specific title. And then you know when they moved on to the heavyweight title, um, you know the you you still had some gravity to the to the title, uh, yeah. and so I understand there's there's a lot there as far as with these people coming together um, in WWE and WCW and how they've even brought in ECW folks and and now like there's a lot of other mm-hmm. people there that they've brought in, um, but there still ends up being a huge amount of um, like you said if everybody's the best at one point you've got to kind of keep rotating um, and just kind of mm-hmm. seeing seeing what that is so it ends up being something where unless people move on, there's really not much you can do about it. Yeah. Like it's just so, it's just so frustrating. And also, I don't know if you got a chance to see, I haven't, um, I always end up being busy on Mondays, uh, and Tuesdays half the time, or I get caught up in something else. Um, like I watched a little bit of raw. Um, I was trying to make, uh, uh rice balls. And, uh, while I was watching raw, uh, and uh, my mom called me, so I just ended up talking to my mom instead of watching Raw. Because uh, she called me at, like, the... I started watching late, and then she called me, like, halfway through, and I just didn't care about what I was watching. Mm-hmm. Um, but the... I don't know if you got to see, but this fantastic story angle that they have with Kurt Angle and his black illegitimate love child from college. Yeah, I, I, I did see that. <laughs> like, I, like, again, like, I haven't really followed Kurt Angle... Uh, lately much from like aside from when he was found like in a car in outside of a Pittsburgh shopping mall and he had like <laughs> some sort of drugs on him or he was high or something like that. Um <laughs> but the um so like I, I have no idea about him and then like the uh Jason Jordan who they were bringing in like there was you know a big announcement blah 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 and everybody kind of predicted w- what it was going to be and everything. So like, I have no context around Jason Jordan or anything like that. Um but just kind of knowing what's there and kind of knowing that they're coming in for like uh, the kind of the big push with, with the name of the title and everything. Um, it just, it was something that again, wasn't, uh, it, it seemed very similar going back to like something with like, um, with the attitude era with like the undertaker and whoever he was mm-hmm. like, um, I forget what they called him, but then like whoever the undertaker was uh, taking orders from, and then they were out in the ring and then lo and behold, it was Vince McMahon. Like, it just seemed like something where it was like, you're setting this up. Everybody knows what's going to happen. And it's just like this, this shitty storyline that doesn't really need to play out, but you're going to play it out anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, so that was fun. Um, every once in a while, wrestling will jump the shark for me. And that's definitely one of those things where, 
um, it kind of it, like it has to compel you to watch. And, you know, like I still love it, but, you know, there's only so much I can take. Like, and um, so, you know, it's like I'm catching it now if it's on. But and I stay pretty current. Like, I just like stay pretty current in the storylines or something. Um, you've got like there was a banger of a match uh, either a couple weeks ago or last week with Nakamura and John Cena. Um, like people can poo poo John Cena. The dude's actually a really good wrestler and he can get a good match out of anybody. Like the dude has an insane amount of like four, four and a half, five star matches for being somebody who just can't work according to some people. Um, you know, and, and I don't like Roman Reigns, but Roman Reigns is kind of the same way where he can get a good, get a good match out of somebody. But right now he's at the point where they're always having him win or, you know, he's wrestling the same guy over and over again. Um, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that comes from my distaste for Braun Strowman. He's a, he seems like a cool guy. He's talented, whatever. I just, he's just not for me. Um, and I'm not like into the flippy guy. Like the monster thing is kind of old. Like how, once again, it comes down to how special is being over seven feet tall when there's like six people on your roster that are over building over seven feet tall. Yep. Like, exactly. How special is it? Like, you know. <laughs> um, or, you know, it's like they step to somebody who's like 6'10", and they, there's like an inch difference, and it's like, well, I mean, 6'10 is really like 7. Like, you know, it's not, it's just not as special as it, it like, um, as it could be. And it's one of those things where I know, like, I could probably never write for them as a writer, um, even though I'm actually, like, more than qualified to do one of their entry-level things. Um since I have the background in theater and I have the, the masters in, in creative writing, mm-hmm. um, the, uh, like, I would just be like, guys, this is I'm like, think about this here. And I'd probably be told to like, get the fuck out. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I'd probably, I'd probably sneeze in front of Vince. And then, <laughs> well, that's what, yeah, I mean, that? there's a, there's a big difference <laughs> between like big show staring down Braun Strowman versus, uh, back in the day with like Kevin Nash throwing Rey Mysterio as a dart like into the side of like the production van. Yeah. So I mean, so that's yeah. like there's a big difference there as far as what uh, what height actually plays into it as opposed to now just everybody kind of being the same. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's and honestly, that's a fantastic way to put it. Like, you know, they're all they're all kind of big. They're all strong. They're all obviously talented. They're all amazing athletes to be able to do some of the stuff that they do. Especially on, you know, as much as they're on the road doing the same stuff, like your endurance has to be insane in your body to be able to do the stuff that you do to it on an almost daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like it just doesn't feel it just all feels sometimes it all gets too formulaic. And, you know, every once like most of the time I don't mind it, but every once in a while I pull away a little bit, you know, and. Uh, until they get something juicy coming. Uh, the fact that I think Brock Lesnar being um, one of the th- ways they've tried to add more value to the title, um, especially to add to the prestige of this new title they came up with instead of just using the old heavyweight title like they should have, mm-hmm. um, is they've been keeping it off TV. So they plop it on Brock Lesnar and or they plop it on Goldberg ridiculous yeah i i couldn't um, believe that when i saw him coming back 
So even at 53, we can all still be champions. Just exactly. keep that in mind, Rick. Yeah, I um, mean, <laughs> I, I've still got I, – I don't have any uh, hesitation on my 35th birthday now. I, I know I've got plenty of time left to be a WWE champion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, hell, we could just go be a tag team. We could do that. I mean, you had what uh, the New Age Outlaws, when they came back, they, they won the belts. So – and they got to be <laughs> – you know they gotta be they gotta be getting up there, especially uh, Road Dog. But um, yeah, so they've tried to add value by keeping keeping the title off of TV to that title. The thing is, is that you find yourself just not caring about that title. It doesn't feel important because a because you don't see it, and b because it's Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar openly talks about he he doesn't talk about how much he hates the business, and if he ever here's me or the cardboard cutout I got in the living room comes to life. I'm probably dead saying this. But, yeah, I mean, that's, um, that's just a given anyway, so it doesn't really matter. So you may as well go with it. <laughs> yeah, so, um, like, he just doesn't seem to – he's a hard worker. He's constantly – like, he – the way that he talks about it, he doesn't seem to have the passion to – he has the passion to work, but he doesn't have necessarily the passion to work in this specific field. Okay. If that makes any sense, mm-hmm. like he's like the dude is obviously dedicated to being the best worker that he can be. But for me, the way that he talks, like when he talks about when he talks about wrestling, um, which, you know, sometimes it can be an unrealistic expectation um, is, you know, he's like he got into it because he was big, you know, um, big and athletic. And he talks about it just like it's a nine to five. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. Like, I get that. You know, you know, like I can understand that mentality, but at the same time, for something where it's a performance kind of thing, like you, there's a reason why you're performing, you know, and and he just there's you know, um, there's and that's usually sort of like your drive. I mean, like yeah, dude, great money can be your drive, but if that's the case, you know. You could go back to you know UFC or cough cough maybe well, you can't because of your. Well, I mean that ends up also being <laughs> something where like again when actors phone it in in a movie and, and something like that like <clears throat> that's a little bit different because a movie is a one shot thing and then you know people can decide not to go see your other movies and things like that but it's a lot more difficult to phone it in when you're expected to come out every week and do the same performance so you really can't phone it in whether it's on the mic or in the ring because. You know, somebody else could get hurt. The fans are going to stop giving a shit or, you know, they're just going to have an active indifference to you because they don't really care. Well, and here's the thing, too, is that he's not even there the whole he's he has minimum numbers of uh, appearances. Mm-hmm. Um, spoilers for SummerSlam. He's probably going to drop the title to somebody in some shenanery. Um, and because he's not I think he's supposed to go back to UFC. So, like, all this information there. And then you hear him talk about it, and he's just like, it's whatever. Yep. You're like, cool, why is this through this champion? He's not going to have to drive to bring people over. And then on top of it, you pair him with the champion of Jinder Mahal. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I, the first title he wins is the, the, the big one. Like, the first title he wins after being a jobber for almost his entire career in the WWE is the big one. And then he just goes on the tilt for the, you know, he's probably the next SmackDown exclusive pay-per-view. SummerSlam's not big. No, no SummerSlam should be both. Yeah, SummerSlam's Slam. both. Okay. Yeah, he's also probably going to lose the title at SummerSlam, too. Um, 
and uh, like, which is fine, but it's like the shtick that he's doing isn't original anymore. Um, you know, if he talked about if he was coming from a place that wasn't like USA sucks, go me, you know. If it was, you know, he talked about why these people are just envious and think he doesn't deserve what he has. Mm-hmm. Coming from, like, as a person of, you know, <coughs> especially being a person of color in America. <coughs> they'd be total gangbusters, dude. He could be the bad guy to America. And he could be the hero that he needs to be to to India to increase their buy rates. But instead, we just get Iron Sheik point six. <laughs> You know, um, without Hogan. Yep. So, and the drug use, which is probably good. So, um, so yeah, like, I mean, I get it. Like, I get it. It's just, you know, you want to see the passion there, at least in stuff. And um, the, the, the thing that's really bummed with Jason Jordan being Angle's first black son is that he was a part of a fantastic tag team with this dude named Chad Gable. And they were so exciting to watch. Jason Jordan was really good at taking the hot tag off of that. Now they just pulled those dudes apart. You know, for no reason. You know, and in a thing where they need to be able to market the, like, you have to be able to market the idea of teamwork, especially in wrestling. Especially when everything's supposed to be as black, as white, as good guy, bad guy. Yep. So, um, you know. It, yeah, but that's you know that's that. Like I'm probably, I mean, I'll probably end up watching SummerSlam because it's one of the big four. Yeah, that's what I, I keep going back and um, forth, like whether I need to subscribe to the network just for the pay per views and then kind of cancel it, or if it's worth it. I mean, I know we talked about it before, where it's definitely worth a uh, worth the uh, kind of weekly or the the monthly just ten bucks, and probably if I end up canceling yeah. like another streaming service, that would be one I'd pick up. Um, just because Hulu has been on my shit list for a while. Um, so that'd be, you know, cheaper than what we're paying for, for Hulu now. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, that's probably one where depending on actually, well, actually let me double check to see when that is. Cause maybe if we keep, uh, if we keep on our, uh, our wrestling, uh, stage, so that's, is that next weekend? Yeah, it's next weekend. I think the 20th. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe we'll end up doing that and then we can, we can talk about that on, on a show afterwards. Yeah. Speaking of you, want to talk about speaking on, I know we're going a little long here, but speaking of streaming services, do you see uh, Disney pulled their movies back from Netflix? I did. I did that. <laughs> I, I mean, I saw that they're they're going to have their own, or the announcement was made that they expanded the um, their ownership, or they were announcing their intent to acquire more of BAM Networks, which is um, an offshoot of the Major League Baseball streaming service, uh, which MLB basically created. Um, it runs as like a cloud-based streaming service and stuff. So like I've known a lot about the back end of that for a while through through work and a lot of the other stuff that I do. Um, but then seeing that they uh, want to do increase ownership of that and now that they're planning to use that to do a lot more with uh, the ESPN broadcasting for college, for NHL, for MLB. Um, and there were a couple other things. I don't think NBA was included, but I, I don't remember. Um, and just basically like a lot of – if you're going to be getting sports streaming stuff, it's generally going to be coming through this um, – through this service unless it's uh, some of the college uh, conferences that have their own streaming services. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so I saw that and then they said, you know, that was going to be 
increasing through 2017, 2018, and then by 2019, uh, they were going to launch their own Disney uh, streaming service that was going to be, you know, the majority of the Disney movies, um, and then probably Disney Channel content, you know, Disney Junior content, all that stuff, which makes a lot of sense. At the moment, I don't have any kids. I don't really give a shit. All I care about is the Marvel and Star Wars stuff. Um, and they, they explicitly said in the announcement that Marvel and Star Wars were not going to be a part of that yet. They haven't made the decision. If that does change, they'll come back to it. Um, but uh, I haven't heard of anything yet to see one way or another what, what was going to happen. Um, but that uh, that would be something that would be interesting uh, to me, uh, you know, if there's, if there's more stuff there, just, to, if that's the only place to get it. Um, I mean, right now we have a lot of Disney DVDs already. We just, I just, uh, mm -hmm. um, got Amanda, the live action Beauty and the Beast DVD last week. Um, Ooh. so I mean, so we still end up having a lot of that. And so usually what I do is I get the DVD Blu-ray combo pack and then just throw in the, the, uh, the HD download code and download that. And then we have access to everything. So Disney's pretty good about having, access to all of their digital media through their Disney movies anywhere thing. Um, and so as long as that stays, like I personally don't see the need for it. Um, but then if they end up pulling everything away and they're consistent about it, um, then I can see it being successful for parents that have kids that just want to be able to, to work with it and, and run with it. Um, the only uh, downside I would say is you end up having people who you're kind of um, – putting off from that, uh, of wanting to pay more for the same content they're already experiencing. Um, and then you end up having, um, experiences like Amanda did growing up where she never saw the actual jungle book. Um, she was only ever exposed to a Bollywood version of it and thought it was a horrible, scary movie as opposed to <laughs> the lovable blue and everything else that every other child knows what it is. So that was, I, uh, me and, and Zach were, were pretty, uh, uh, surprised when we had completely different understandings at Amanda of what the actual jungle book was. So you may end up having children growing up now that will, you know, have a limited exposure because if that's the only place we're going with streaming media and that's the only place you can get streaming Disney content, people may not want to make the additional investment based on, you know, having access to all their other streaming content as well. So, um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, I'm hoping it doesn't mean that way that now everybody's going to get their own thing because then they, then all you have to do is kind of build your own, uh, streaming package or streaming service and kind of you're, you're left with building your own $10 a pop, uh, cable plan. Um, <laughs> and so, I'm hoping that again, it kind of on the spectrum of uh, bundle it, explode it, bundle it, explode it. Like we end up finding something like in the middle, um, but we'll we'll yeah. see uh, kind of where that holds out uh, in the near future. Yeah. So I think like as is Disney. Um, yeah. So Disney has bundled. I've like watched Disney kind of bundle like uh, botch stuff in the past. So um, especially like their toy lane, affinity, uh, infinity or whatever that toy lane is. And, uh, where it was like supposed to be like Skylanders because they tried to write out that fad and mm -hmm. then they lost a shit ton of money on it, uh, which is why you saw somebody lost the rights to. I think it was like the Star Wars, the Star Wars game or something. Like one of the, like, it was like a game that like it was a miniatures game that I think lost the rights because of because of that, and now they, you know, they putzed it up the the they putzed it all up so. I, uh, I don't have a lot of faith in Disney to actually do this correctly um, because we've already sort of started leaning that way anyway, where what's going to be even worse is that uh, I don't know if you know this, but FX only offers their app on like Microsoft consoles. 
So what I would hate to see is in the future is that not only do I have to like I'm, I'm having to buy a whole bunch of different streaming services, only certain streaming platforms are going to be available on certain things. Yep. Um, and that's going to be a pain in the butt, too, because honestly, if they go they go any deeper, people don't want to have to pay for a lot of different content and they want it on demand. Exactly. And so, they want a consistent experience across the board. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think what's going to happen is they're all going to get too greedy and they're all going to ask for their, you know, money a month. And what's going to happen is, you know, maybe that happens. Netflix implodes because, you know, Netflix is getting stripped for a ton of their content. Their library is so small. Um, there's no reason I should I should have a Netflix subscription and not to be able to watch a movie and not be able to have access to a movie at Netflix from 20 years ago. Yep. Or, uh, I, like I want to watch the original limitless, um, with Bradley Cooper, whatever that movie came out. How long ago, you know, like I think 2008, 2009, mm-hmm. maybe. And you know, that movie's not on Netflix. Like yeah, it's that movie's not on a streaming site. Like, I'm already, I've already made certain concessions to use the stuff, but they keep stripping the content. Nobody's going to get any of my money, and it's just going to go to specialty content. Like, I agree completely. You know, it sucks, but I mean, you know, I'm, you know, uh, like I'm Funimation and wrestling. I don't even watch TV like, and that's the thing. It's like I don't even watch TV like that. Like, you know. It just comes down to I can just put that stuff on for background noise and buy a movie whenever I feel like it. I mean, it sucks, but, you know, I'm, you know, me, I'm an old, I'm all about physical media anyway. So Yeah, same here. That's where I'm kind of going back and forth where there was a, a TV series I had on the box sets for. I was like, no, I don't need it. It's on Netflix. And then I, so I sold them all. And then eventually I wanted to go watch it and. Um, nope. Uh, when I went to go watch it on Netflix, it's not there anymore. Um, so like I, I think like, they pulled the. Yeah, go for it. Oh no! So, so, like I know, like I've I've watched most of the forty four hundred, and I had like three or four episodes left, and I think they might have pulled that. And it was just like, now I got to go buy a box set of that for. You know, yep. to watch like four episodes, like get out of here, like. I that's what I've I've basically like totally changed. I everybody's getting rid of their media. Um, I have basically just done a complete 180. I was all about that. All I want now is physical media, um, like especially for that, because you don't know how long these streaming services are going to last. Uh, Funimation actually just got bought by Sony, and Sony can't even make a good movie by themselves. How can I expect them to? you know, handle a niche, a niche market kind of thing. Yep. Um, so yeah, so I've gone back through and I've just like, you know, I'm going straight physical media. I'll just get it all in DVDs and just deal with the crappy, crappy resolution. If I can't find it on Blu-ray, but you know, like it's impossible to, because what's going to happen is that piracy and stuff's going to become so rampant 
that they're not going to be able to control it, and they're just going to lose their money that way. Uh, and that's pretty much what I'm what I'm expecting is that they're going to see a lot of uh, a rise in piracy and, and a lot of the the recent HBO hack and all of this stuff, um, where you're just going to see because still Game of Thrones is like the most popular show on on TV, but it's also yet the most pirated show on TV. Um, so they're they're you know. They're not going to be able to, to build the systems to be smarter than everybody else, so they need to find a way way around it. Um, yep. So we'll see how that turns out. But um, we're, we are running a bit long. I've got to run here. Uh, we can we can come back to uh, next week talk about your uh, your free movie preview um, that uh, that you went yep. to this week, uh, and then tomorrow night we're uh, we're going to catch uh, Ron Funches out here. Um, so uh, yep. it, that's a, a nice small uh, theater venue that's that's uh, not too far from our place. Uh, so I'm interested to see that just uh, for a good comedy show, and also see what see if he uh, has any uh, uh, wrestling talk on there as well. So uh, that should be a good one that uh, we can we can cover next week as well. Yep. All about run funches. Dude's hilarious. Yep. Uh, I, I'm bummed I can't see more of his shows in L.A. because uh, everything I see on Twitter and everything I hear people talk about, he's, he's, uh, he's hilarious. So uh, this is kind of kicking off a fall of comedy for us where we've got a bunch of other shows um, that we can talk about next week. But um, should be a good time tomorrow night. And it's kind of, a, again, small show on a Friday night. So looking forward to it. Yeah, no, that sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, man, there's stuff. that. Oh, man. Oh, in, in next uh, in next episode, I can talk about this Alexa that I got. I got an Echo Dot. Oh, awesome! So we can try to trick it into doing things for us then. <laughs> yep. <laughs> as long as we don't order anything. So yeah, we'll see. Yep. <laughs> All right. Later. Have a good one. Hey, adios, folks.